The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Mac drops back to pass. He got some pressure, and he did a great Caught. job getting the ball out of his hand. A yard but short. A yard short, and he pitched it like he was with it. Cool string. Holy UT crap, he almost got it. Oh, yeah, baby. That's right. It's week three. We're back for another Sunday night edition of Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Ahmed Farid is here. I am here, and I am Chris Sims, and we are both tired, but we are also juiced up. Okay? I don't think we're going to be having an exciting in-game you know, breakdowns here with this one because as we're sitting here, Pittsburgh is slowly starting to dominate the yeah. Raiders. It's 23-7. to The Raiders' offense can't get going. Kenny Pickett's making some plays. Najee Harris and Warren started running the ball here, so it ain't looking good for the Raiders. Yeah, and I don't think anyone went to UT Chattanooga from this game, and so I won't be able to say that no. this time. No, you won't. <laughs> you <laughs> won't. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen anybody from UT Chattanooga yet either. But um, it was a good day, as, as always. I mean, we got a few things to talk about in this one for sure i mean holy crap uh it, it's we always got close games in the nfl but at the one o'clock hour today we had blowouts or we had a good amount of them more than you usually see on an nfl sunday and i think that was kind of shocking i was watching uh our guy scott hansen on nfl red zone yeah. and he was almost at a loss for words because there was a point in time where there was one game that was a one score game and he does not like that well it, it's he makes calls when stuff like that happens it was odd we were sitting there going wait i mean all these games are kind of handled except ravens and colts and and then of course the packers and saints other than that and then we had the chargers and vikings of course that came down to the end too but out of nine 1 p.m games you know those three that were one score-ish type of football games i know the patriots jets was the same way there but you kind of felt like the patriots were controlling the game yep. throughout anyway so let's get to it man let's so, start breaking well, them hold down on. before oh. we do that whoa though, I okay do, so we did not have a podcast on wednesday oh the homies i want to know i'm sorry right? so it's like yeah, we, yeah. we did we did the podcast sunday night yeah and we were like hey a lot of people are worried about us somebody <laughs> somebody literally was like wait you guys gonna be able to keep this up during the year we're like we are that's I like, who we, i thought about when i woke up tuesday morning not feeling good 
good. I was like, fuck me. We're jinxed. <laughs> we're, uh, I'm not going to be okay the whole year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't know that you weren't, you weren't feeling well until Wednesday morning. You sent a text to the group, and you're like, I'm out. I I'm felt it, it a little. I felt it Monday night as I was watching the two Monday night games, and I was like, okay, hopefully – I'll get a you know I'll go to sleep here and wake up and I'll be I'm just worn down right I got up to do the show early Tuesday morning with mm-hmm. Florio and when I woke up it was like well, I was like oh no like I don't feel good I'm 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 sick mm-hmm. or or it's I'm about to be sick but I went and did the show I kind of sucked it up I got done with the show I got home ate some food started to watch a little film and I was like I gotta lay down I was like I don't feel right and After I was lo- watching film I was I was That's just watching rough. film and I just went. <laughs> I literally slept for six hours, oh, God. and I woke back up at like three o'clock in the afternoon, or like you know four o'clock somewhere in there. I watched a little more film, and you know, like getting ready for the podcast because I'm going. Oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow on Wednesday and be okay. Yeah. So I went to bed early, and yeah, I was miserable all night long. And I woke up, and I think I texted you guys at like eight o'clock because I was like, I'm going to set the alarm for eight o'clock. And I was like, no, I, I felt I was like, I, I can't even get out of bed. I mean, I felt like shit. I had the fever, you know, chills, aches and pains, a bad headache and no appetite. Yeah. So it, it passed about, you know, Thursday evening. Yeah. I started to feel it's a little good. bit better. So to the homies wondering out there, yes, we will be able to do this up until week two. <laughs> week two, then we're going to have to take a pause well, for a second. As long as I don't have to announce any more games and do some double duty, Which, I should be we're okay. We're done with that Let's now. Say, no more college games. Right. No more Big Ten Saturday night. Oh, by the way, that Notre Dame game I was at That yesterday. was pretty awesome. That was a good game. Yes, it was. That was what that a cool was atmosphere. Great atmosphere yep. there. Um, I was on the sideline. I was for the first time in my career doing yeah. like football sideline reporting. Right. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, this is good. This is nothing significant is hap- happening until did Marvin you teach, Harrison. Did you ask if they teach how to count to 11 at Notre Dame? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I mean I Notre Dame's supposed to be the smart team. They're not supposed to be the team with 10 people on the field. I think yeah. well, was it, it? It is in Indiana, and maybe they're just like my my clubs on the on the field, right? Like a little Hoosiers. <laughs> oh, it's like Hoosiers. Yeah, That's yeah, my, team. my team's my team's, my on, team's the field. on the court. My yeah. team's okay. Team's Gene Hackman over We're there. We do it with ten. You've seen that fucking movie? I've, I've heard about that part. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Look at him. He's bringing up. He's never even seen it. He's bringing up things <laughs> he's heard about. All right, let's get <laughs> to the games because it is. You're our, hilarious. It is our promise to the homies <laughs> to go through every game. I heard about that every, part every week. <laughs> I've seen it on Twitter. You need to see that movie. There are several segments that we have sections today we have the my god section yeah uh, we have the big upset section <laughs> yeah uh, late game heroics right we have taking care of business yeah and then we have give me the headlines where we'll have two games the uh, New York teams are in that one to give a little sneak peek of, of where you might go if you are a fan of either the Giants or the Jets. But if you're a fan of those teams, maybe you don't want to listen uh, to the... Well, our headlines are awesome. So you the headlines are good. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. stick around for the headlines. <laughs> Let's start with the My God section. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's seriously... The Miami Dolphins. Oh my God! Beat the Denver Broncos. So the Denver Broncos score twenty. Just the uh, the Denver Broncos score twenty and they, lose by fifty. They had three hundred and sixty three yards of total offense. <laughs> it was actually a a pretty good day. Oh wait, no, the other team had seven hundred and twenty six yards in an NFL game. Like that's like high school awesome high school team that dominates a state and like does things like that. Ten yards per play. What? 350 yards rushing, 376 yards passing, no turnovers. It's insane. 
And it literally started this way from the get-go, Ahmed. I, I don't know how much you got to see. Oh, I saw but a lot of it. it was like from the first pass of the day, you were like, whoa, they're, he's wide open again, Tyree Kill. You're just like, what? Didn't we watch any of the game plan last week and what the Patriots did? And and what we've talked about the first two weeks that's made Miami different this year than last year is their run game. It's three weeks in a row we're seeing them at least be patient with it, have success. I mean, last week it was great against the Patriots. This game was insane. And then to get A-Chain rolling like that, the rookie at a Texas A&M, you know, him being able to show his explosive ability along with Mozart and, of course, the receivers and – Jalen Waddle didn't even play today. That's the craziest That's thing. That's the I think insane about it. part of they about it. They scored seventy without probably their number two playmaker. Yes, uh, that, uh, and th- sometimes their number one playmaker. Yeah, I don't even I don't even know what it would look like wow. if if they had him out there. It was pitiful by the the Denver Broncos. There really wasn't much to speak about. I mean, of course their defense is going to get made fun of, and we're going to laugh at it a little bit. I mean, some of the holes were ridiculous in the run game. I mean, it, running backs not getting touched or even a hand put on them until 10 and 15 yards down the field. I mean, at the end of the game, they're trying to run the clock out. They're trying to grant Broncos mercy. And they're just like, well, damn, if you're just going to part the sea for us to run for another touchdown, then see you, we'll do it. I mean, it, it was, I've never seen an NFL team look like that. And definitely never have seen a Sean Payton team look like that. Well, that's the thing, right? And he commented about the team last year being the worst coached team he'd ever seen. Imagine if this team was poorly coached. They would have given <laughs> up 90. Imagine I, that. I, they could have scored 80 or 90 today if they wanted to. There's no doubt. I mean, the, the, it was an offensive machine. I, at one point I went, wait, they're going to have – Mozart's going to get 100 yards, too. They're going to have a 200-yard rusher and a 100-yard rusher, along with Tyreek Hill having a day and Tua having a day. But the Dolphins, as we've said, it's one of the most talented teams in football. They got speed all over the football field. And, um, yeah, the Broncos were embarrassed in a big way. Offensively, like, just unable to to keep up, stay on the field in third downs, and it just got away with them late in the second quarter, early third quarter, where yeah, it became a track meet, and no one's going to beat the Miami Dolphins in a track meet right now. When that game becomes that wide open in a space game like that, they're, they're going to be the best in, in football. So how did the rest of the NFL allow this to happen with the Miami Dolphins? Because right now they have the top five fastest ball carriers this season. We know right. how fast Waddle is and Tyreek Hill, and now you got Mostert and you got A-Chain. Not to be yeah. confused with two chains, yeah. one, one chain. Just one chain. A chain. A chain. A chain. Just one chain. Right. Um, like how did the rest of the NFL allow this to happen? Well, they you know, made some great draft picks, made some big, bold moves, right? One of the reasons they got you know, some of these great draft picks, one is the 49ers and the Eagles trading, right? The year of the Trey Lance, and yeah. there, was, there was some there. So they got... Those they got that pick and got what Jalen Waddle, I believe, if I remember that correct. Correct. Right. Then they went. Wait, we need another guy. So let's trade. They traded for Tyreek Tyreek Hill and in, in the offseason before that draft because they knew they needed a guy that you know. I think uh, Mike McDaniel needed his weapon, his Debo Samuel, and so he they found a, a partner, a willing partner with the the Chiefs, and they got that done. So they've made bold moves. They've accumulated picks here and there. Think about it. They lost the first-round pick. 
because Sean Payton illegally flirted with the Dolphins and was trying to get Tom Brady there. Yeah, wasn't How good flirting. would they fucking be if they had him there too? But they've drafted really well. I think that's the big thing uh, because you look at Christian Wilkins, Javon Holland, yeah. right, Jalen Waddell. You know, there's other guys I'm missing here. Van Ginkle. I mean, just they've done a really good job, and then made the aggressive, appropriate, you know, trade for Bradley Chubb, uh, the trade for Tyree Kill, Jalen Ramsey, who's not there, drafted a Jalen Phillips, who's a great pass rusher. So it's a little bit of a combination of everything. It's like the Eagles. It's the front office has made some great moves, and yeah, Chris Greer deserves a lot of credit. They have so many superstars. You're yes, right. they did. On offense and defense. Yeah. They're the only three and O team in the AFC. Right now, the Miami Dolphins, uh, Tua throws for over 300 yards. And, and watching Tua operate in this offense, and I've said this before to yeah. you. Like, it's made for him. It, it, it's almost like he, no one else could run this offense. It wouldn't look the same. And I almost feel like for what Mike McDaniel wants to do, yeah. it's like I don't know that even more talented quarterbacks could do it as well as Tua is doing. Yeah, that. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as that. Uh, yeah. Okay, nice try there, though. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's, and I've said that before, and you've said exactly that <laughs> back to me. No, but he's, but, but he's he, – they've built something that does fit him. And then he's gotten better in certain areas, throwing the ball down the field, right, and and reading defenses and things like that where, you know, it's kind of come together in the perfect storm here of develop player and fit offense around player and we'll meet in the middle for greatness somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I look at it, what's gone on here. But, you know... His, his quick release to what you're saying, his movement, really fits the offense and what they do. And then he has a great feel, even though we know he doesn't have the biggest arm, he has a, he's certainly throwing the deep ball well, but he has a great like intermediate, you know how I like to talk about clubs, right? Mm -hmm. He's got a great like 15, 20-yard throw where he can just lay it over people or find a window and just lay it in there for then all of a sudden you're like, wait, where's he throwing? And all of a sudden Tyree Kill just comes out and, Zoom! and like catches the ball and he places it in there perfectly with his timing and touch that, yeah, it makes it look like poetry in motion right now with the way they're playing. It's awesome to watch yeah. unless you're a Denver Bronco or a Denver Bronco fan. Uh, so that was a shocker. Shocker. Just seeing 70 in an NFL game was a was, shocker. Yeah. Our biggest shocking upset, as we move over to the big upset section, yep. was the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon getting his first win as a head coach of Arizona. I guess the tank is not on there in Phoenix. They beat the Cowboys, who coming into this game looked like the dominant number one team in the NFL. And the Cardinals didn't just beat them some fluky way. It's like they held the lead most, I think, almost all the game. Right? Uh, yeah, they the did. The whole game. 28-16 was the final score. They were 12.5-point underdogs. Um, so They're one of my best bets. I went with three oh high, high spreads this week, won two of them, and then this is the one I lost. And this has been the one I would have been, well, this will be you know, closest to the guarantee of, of you know, spread or like Dallas. If you had to make me pick a, you know, a, a suicide pool, pool this week, yeah. like Dallas, I'm sure it was every, a lot of people's picks. They're sure. like, well, of course the Cardinals aren't going to beat Dallas. You're right. right. You know, so they, there's some people that got burned. Um, we yeah. saw... Dallas not be able to stop the run, which was an issue last year. Uh, James Conner and Dobbs ran the ball well. Okay, they let up a fifty some or a forty five yard touchdown to Rondell Moore running up the middle when he was lined up in the backfield like a Debo Samuel. All right, so two hundred and twenty two yards rushing by the Arizona Cardinals against that Dallas Cowboy defense. 
Obviously a good plan. Obviously had a plan for all the things the Cowboys like to do at the line of scrimmage. That's to me what it looked like. They came up with ways of, you know, hey, we can block their movement. We got it figured out, whatever. And they got up to the second level. And because the Cowboys have so many people at the line of scrimmage sometimes, you get to the second level and you could be scotch-free going through there. So that was that was one big thing. Then the Cowboys not being able to really get any big plays in the pass game. And then, of course, not being able to score touchdowns in the red zone. So those would be the big reasons why you look at and go, wait, that's why the Cowboys lost this football game, let alone they had a sloppy game in penalties. It was 107 yards in penalties. I mean, it was everything, everywhere, all the time. But the second half, they dominated the second half, okay? They go down, they kick a field goal. The second drive, they go right down again, and they come away with nothing because they go forward on fourth and go- fourth and goal from the three. They come away with nothing. They go down and score another field goal to make it 21-16. And then, of course, everybody knows about then they drive down one other time, and Dak Prescott throws a bad interception in the end zone, basically the triple coverage. So it wasn't his best game. The passing game wasn't explosive. They ran it okay. They did. But their defense was the issue. The defense is the part where you thought, well, they'll they'll for sure lock this Cardinals offense down, and that was not the case. They kind of had their way with the Cowboys' day. And you wonder what went wrong there, what they did to neutralize Micah Parsons. Obviously, they lost Trayvon Diggs in practice. Bummer, huge bummer. But it shouldn't mean that. Right. Shouldn't, like right, I right. Mean, running for 222 yards against them. So yep. it'll be interesting when you. Take I know. A I want to. I want to check it out too. I, I just kept like, you know, early in the game they ran the old read option at Micah Parsons, right? Yep. The thing that everybody talked about last year with like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles did that to him. So there was a little of that, but just a lot of like, I you know, look shotgun. Let's run off the the weak side tackle. And James Conner seemed like he was busting through there on a regular basis. Let alone, like I talked about, Rondell Moore had the one big touchdown there too. But yeah, disappointing by the Cowboys that they, you know, couldn't get it in the end zone, uh, getting down there close. And we saw them have that issue last week with the Jets a little bit to a degree too. I think it's an area that probably needs improvement, a little more creativity in the offense. And of course, you know, Dak Prescott is a, it's a fine line down there. It's tough. You got to make special throws. Things happen quick. And, yeah, they're not greased up and, and hitting on all cylinders in that department yet. I mean, that's what makes it so frustrating to be a yeah. Cowboys fan here lately is that the dominant teams, and it was looking like the Dallas Cowboys were the dominant team in the yeah. NFL this year, one of them, one of the top five. Like, we haven't seen, like, the Eagles put up a performance like this against a team that they are outclassing talent-wise, right, recently, or the 49ers or the Patriots when they were No, this so is good. this is typical. This is, like, I was saying this to the guys back before. I was going, this is, like, everybody's going to go, well, this is the Cowboys, right? Everybody told them they were the best team in the NFL. Everybody in Dallas is kissing their ass and throwing rose petals at their feet, you know. And then it's like, what? Well, wait, we, 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 we can't just show up and win the game. We're the Cowboys. We're just supposed to show up and win. And, it, you know, it had a little bit of that feel of like the Washington game at the end of the season last year where it's like, yeah, they just are sticking their chest out. They're going, this team's 0-2. They're – you know, rebuilding, we're going to show up and whoop their butt. And they never really matched the energy of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, it looked like to me. Is that Mike McCarthy not not humbling them enough after those I, first two games? I, I, that, I don't know. I'm not going to blame him there. Yeah. I, I it, It's hard. You know, Trayvon Diggs tearing his ACL on Friday, I'm sure that's a distraction. Yeah. That's a kind of a Debbie Downer moment, right? And the one thing like, you kind of said, I mean – this is three games against the NFC East that the Cardinals have looked good in all three. They could have pulled out the victory against Washington. They had the Giants in deep shit. 
And, of course, this is the first time they finished the job. Hmm. But, you know, Jonathan Gannon is, is done a really good job with that defense. And, you know, offensively, they they hang in there. And, you know, this was probably their best performance we saw to this point. Dobbs is pretty efficient in the pass game as well. The Cardinals are at San Francisco next. Uh who well, they're they're they're, they're 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 not going to they're not going to sneak up on the Niners. You know that, that's the, the kind of win that will make everybody will be like, "Well, shit, we don't want that to happen to us." So uh, you you'll see the Forty ers I think we could say now after three games, they are the team that we thought Dallas was. I would give da- you know the Forty ers probably the 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 blue ribbon to say they're the best team in the NFL through three weeks. We'll get to the Forty ers in a I bit. I know we will. Uh, another upset. Yeah, the Colts were eight point underdogs against the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the bigger upset in this one is that Justin Tucker missed the last-second regulation field goal oh, to win it. Right. I, that was like one of those things where I was like, I've it looked seen like this it was movie. going. I've seen this movie so many times. I was like, to the point where this is almost boring now. It, I was like, I don't uh, This is okay. Yeah, he's going to make the kick. It's okay. Here we go again. And, he, and it was short. It was short. Well, you know, he's getting up there in age. It's not a day. It, it wasn't was wet. A, it, it's a day that was, yeah, the ground is wet and muddy. Right. There was definitely drizzle and rain in the air. So that's hard for a 61-yard field goal on a grass field in a wet condition like that. That does not usually lend itself to, yeah, big-time field goal moments there. This was a shocker. You know, I think the first thing I would say that is shocking is that Zach Moss and the Colts just ran the ball in the Baltimore Ravens all day. That was the surprising thing to me. You know, and then, you know, yeah, mistakes uh, I think would be another thing you could look at with the Ravens, right? We had the the fumbles, Lamar, Kenyon Drake had it once uh, after catching a ball, he got hit, fumbled the football there. But but like Colts D, we see as formidable mm-hmm. and as much as we like the way the Ravens offense looked last week, like had they had some moments running the ball in this one, but I don't know. It just seemed like a, a collection of plays in the game today where it's like, oh, I'd see a good throw and go, okay, oh, hey, they're going to get going here. Here goes the drive. And I'd look at another game, and I'd look back, and I'd go, damn, it's, it's third and nine already. Like, they didn't do anything after, you know, the big completion or a big run by Gus Edwards or Lamar would rip off a big run. But there was no sustainability in their attack throughout the day. So I, I think that's the thing I look at. It's one of the games I would say I probably have the least feel for overall. But, yeah, Lamar gets strip-sacked by, I believe it was Quiddy Pay, right? Uh, that led to a short field field goal for the Colts. And then I believe the Kenyon Drake fumble led to a field goal as well for the Colts. So, you know, those are two moments where, you know, they, they kind of got the Colts, moment, got them some momentum and got them some belief. Gardner Minshew played pretty well for the most part. And they kind of just hung in there. And then, of course... At the end of the game, there was a controversial call, which I don't like. That was pass interference. It's like what we talked about last week in the two-point conversion. The one EJ speed on Zay Flowers over the middle. It's pass interference every game, all game, except I guess now at the end of games or in overtime, they're not going to get called. Then you can just play a different way and go, oh, I can hit the receiver as much as I want because they're not going to call it in a big moment. But, yeah, that was a little bit fishy to me, certainly. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that really – but it just seemed like work for the, the, the Ravens offense today. I think yeah. that's just the big thing. I know there was no Odell. They never really got Zay Flowers going. They tried. They, they threw it at him ten times. I know. He caught eight of them, but just for 48 yards. Yeah, so. it looked like he'd catch stuff. It was short. He'd make one guy miss, and then there was people there to rally and tackle. And that's the problem. That's the thing that's tough with the Colts. See, the Colts play. This is the inventor of the Seattle scheme, right? 
They're very good at they're going to make you work. We're going to you might have a play here and there. You might get one play here, one play there, but you're not going to be able to live on big plays against the Colts. It's going to be more of like, hey, you're going to have to completion for five, completion for eight, run for seven. And the Ravens are not a high-functioning offense to that degree yet to where they can just execute all game long and pick you apart. So it was a good day for former coordinators for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jonathan Gannon and, and Shane Steichen, both right. getting a win. A good day for a former coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers. D'Amico Ryans gets his Wait, his first win? Yeah, Texans? Yes, first his win. first win, yeah. yes. They beat the Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars were seven-and-a-half-point underdog or favorites to beat the Houston Texans. 37-17 was the final score in this one. Evan Edmiston yeah. says to us, Edmiston, sorry about that, Evan, what's going on in Jacksonville? That was one of the stunners of the day in my eyes. I heard Peterson took over the play calling in the second half. Is that the solution to their offense? Yeah, well, I, you heard me say last week, right, in both games, the Chiefs and the Colts to start the year, it looked like, you know, I always go to like what you hear me say. Like when it just seemed like those teams had a lot of people dropping where Trevor Lawrence was trying to throw the ball. Like I got the sense watching the first two games that both defenses had a pretty good feel for what the Jaguars were doing according to situation, personnel on the field, formation, whatever. And I think that kind of held true again today, right? It's, it's um, one, I think here's the big thing. There's another day of mistakes by them. Calvin Ridley dropped a touchdown pass on the first drive of the game. Then they missed a field goal. Then they let a uh, they let Tank Dell wide open for a big post that set up a touchdown. They came back Jacksonville and moved the ball, and then had a field goal blocked as they were going down. So that happened, and then off of that became another short touchdown field drive by the Houston Texans where they only had to go 41 yards. So the, the Jaguars there are not playing bad early on, thinking, hey, wait, we're kind of moving the ball. We're feeling good, and you got nothing. And they, you know, between the field goals, the drop passes, and now, whoa, our defense got burned once or twice. Uh, they were staring in a hole there, and they had a hard time kind of getting, getting it going on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Tank Dell, five catches for 145 yards and a long touchdown. Uh, C.J. Stroud did it again. C.J. I mean, Stroud looks real. We're getting close to getting to victory lap territory for you, uh, ranking him as the number one quarterback in this year's draft class because he uh, throws for 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Another clean, clean game in a game where they didn't run the ball all that effectively. No, no. It, it, they haven't run the ball effectively really yet. I think that's what's so impressive about it. All three games we've had to be like, damn, C.J. Stroud's got to drop back and win the game or keep them in it. Today, I mean, he won the game for him with some of the big throws he made. He, one thing I'll say, hey, Anthony Richardson's going to have Anthony Richardson's going to have something to say about you yes. know the best quarterback in the class. I know that, but the one thing I feel confident in saying he is clearly the best pocket passing quarterback. You know that, that's for sure. You're seeing here that it's a guy who looks like he's a he's been in the NFL for two or three years already. The decisions, the locations of the ball, how quickly he gets it out, how subtle he is in the pocket and finds the soft area so he can make throws. Very impressive, right? But like, yeah. The Jags, you go down 17 nothing with those mistakes we talk about. Then they come back out in the third quarter. They run the ball right down the field. They get one big P.I. It's 17-7, Amon, right? 
Okay, so you go, okay, hey, here they go. They stop the Houston Texans. They get the ball back. They get a field goal. It's 17-10, and you have the feel of they've settled in. They're going to catch the Texans here, and things are going to be different. And then what happened? Another special teams fuck up. They let, I can't even remember his name, number 47, return a kick return for Andrew a touchdown. Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck, the guy who's never been heard of before in his life. Yeah. Catches a ball, makes two people miss, runs up the sideline, <laughs> breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle. Even his own family is like, what, Andrew plays football? Andrew, Andrew returns what did he kicks? Do? Yeah, what did he do? Exactly. So that made it 24-10, and you thought, hey, here come the Jaguars, and it just kind of squashed all their momentum. And it was really never the same after that. It was really all Texans from there on out, and they kind of controlled the game and slowly but surely put the Jags away. Like, are, are we wrong on the Jags? Or were we? Because I, I kept calling them. I was like, this is a slam dunk division winner. They're clearly the best team in their division. And now here we are three weeks in. They're one and two, and they were not the better team on the field with the Houston Texans. It's early, so yes. let's, not, let's not do that. They're still a young football team. I don't think their O-line is playing as well. You've heard me say that. And I think they're going to have to, I don't want to say reinvent themselves on the offensive side of the ball, but they got to find some new ways to attack some people. They Obviously, teams in three games here have felt like, hey, we know what they're going to do in this formation, passing the ball, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, they dropped some passes today, like we said, and, of course, they had the turnovers. What was it? It was I remember the interception by Lawrence. Agnew had a fumble, and I can't remember exactly when that happened. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, yeah. And, and listen, here, um, and here's another thing, too. This is kind of what happened to Peterson a little bit at the end in Philadelphia. People started to, like, hey, wait, we, we know how they attack. We know what he likes to do in these certain situations. And they hit some stalemates. And we've seen that a little bit here. But I'm not going to give up on them yet. They're still a talented football team. They're young on both sides, like we said. The defense has not been bad yeah. right today was the first day where you're like what the hell is going on how are these people this open and everything like that but they played good against the Chiefs last week they played good against the Colts the week before it's the offense that's been disappointing to this point we thought Trevor Lawrence in this offense was about to explode with Calvin Ridley being on the the team yeah and that that has not happened yet so many weapons so many pass catches they can go to and running backs too uh Pete's pushing the buttons back there says yeah. we have the return of the dots and so Andrew Return Beck of dots. The dots. So we can see that for those of Look you watching on YouTube. Nobody kicked Peacock. to the white guy 47, so was, okay? Me, I was like, what were they trying to do anyway? Like a pooch Well, he tried to like, yeah, they tried to kick it short. To so, 47. They're so like, All right, he, he just caught it because he's going, okay, you know, our returner's not going to get here for this. He makes two people miss. He and, breaks a tackle there. And he outruns 25 who had an angle on and him. And he, he gave him the old hurdle like, and <laughs> got know. over him. It was unbelievable. We were, we were yelling like madmen for that <laughs> because that was like – that must have been a dream, dream come true for, yes. for Beck. He reached a top speed. Uh, let me of, guess. Let me guess. It's not 20. There's no way. It was 20. He got the 20? It was over 20 miles an hour. Wow. 20.37. I'm the impressed. F- the first time a fullback has reached 20 or more miles an hour as a ball carrier since Olawale in 2016. Oh, yeah. Jamise. Olawale was he was the, the Raiders, right? Or it might have been the know. Cowboys. I think he played both. Barely got the name He kind of was a running back, too. He was kind of a little – that's a little bit of a cheat one. But yeah, it's yeah, a cheat. It's a little double. Okay, so we're going to give it to him. We're going to give it to him. 
All right. Um, Raiders well, just scored. It's 23-15. Okay. Jimmy got a one-score game. It's good to see Jimmy back in there. He got twisted been, up like a pretzel. He's at the been, end of the he got hit half. a minute ago and was laying on the field like he was dead, and then he's up again. He just threw a t- he got a touchdown. Can't kill him. You can't kill Jimmy G. He's too handsome. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselkumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clear at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. So we go from the big upsets, we go to the late-game heroics, and who knows, maybe we'll get some late-game heroics we in might. our Sunday night game. We appreciate that on NBC. Uh, they certainly had it in the Packers and Saints game. It looked like the Packers were going to get nothing going in this one. It was 17 nothing for most of it. Derek Carr got hurt in the third quarter, and then the Saints offense sputtered, and that was bad because the Packers picked it up then. They came back to win 18-17 was the final score. What was your what was your biggest takeaway? What did Jordan Love in that Packers offense show you in that late game comeback? I mean, just clutch. I think there was clutch on you could say both sides of the ball, really, right? I mean, the second half from the moment when Green Bay hurt Derek Carr, Rashawn Gary coming around the edge, really the the Saints never seemed to get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. The Packers D was impressive today. They bailed them out even in the first half. You know, it it was a sloppy first half by the Green Bay Packers offense. A sloppy first three quarters from that, that standpoint. They didn't run the ball. They, you know, they start the game and tried to run a trick play on fourth and two around midfield. And they made a, a you know, Jordan Love did the old throw it to the running back. The running back threw it back to him. And he's, the ball wasn't good. It, it fell short of him. So then he tried to grab it off the ground. And then as he grabbed it off the ground, somebody was bearing down on him. He slipped to throw it. He missed a wide-open guy. That gave the Saints a short field. That's how they scored their first touchdown. They had Rashid Shahid have the punt return. 
So that's how they got up 14 nothing. But my point being there is that shows you the, the Packers' D was pretty good all day long. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, they were getting torn apart and Derek Carr got hurt and all of a sudden things got they, – they were playing pretty good even with Derek Carr in there. Yeah, after the field goal in the second quarter by the Saints, they go punt, 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 missed field goal at the end of the game. Yeah, and uh, love – I loved, I loved Love's resiliency. Mm. I think that's the thing I would look at. See what you did there. You like that? No, I didn't. <laughs> because he, he, well, first off, he missed some plays in the first half. For sure. He was missing throws. You know, it just it was off, and you're just going, damn. I mean, he missed mu- the, you know, Musgrave, the tight end open down the middle. He missed a post throw one time where, yeah, he should have hit the post, and there was somebody else uncovered on the left side where you were just like, man, he's having one of these days, a young guy that's just it's, – it's too loose. He's just letting it fly, and he needs to, you know, tighten it up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was not good. And then I just want to see if I – he threw a bad interception to start the third quarter. And from that point on, that was that was really it. And I mean, got to have it moments is like what I said on Football Night America. There they are. It's eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They're down seventeen nothing, and he leads them on three got to have it drives to to win the football game. So that's that's the encouraging thing there that he didn't blink and again did it without Christian Watson, who we know is the most dangerous guy on their offense as a receiver, and no Aaron Jones. You know, yeah. That was kind of a, a gutsy win by the Packers. To win the home opener, be in a spot like that, shows you there's a, there's a little more toughness to this football team than maybe uh, they get credit for. The Packers have now won 11 consecutive home openers. How about that? And the New Orleans Saints has scored no more than 20 points in a game this season. Yeah, it's, so it's the offense. Saints, well, like we said, what did we say last weekend? Um, remember, it was kind of like they, want, they, they leave me wanting more. Yeah. I keep going – Wait, they're, it's Derek Carr, and it's Olave, and Shahid Shahid, and, and Michael Thomas, a.k.a. Slant Boy, and they can't get it going. Yeah. And so that, that, that you like how I said that? Slant Boy, yeah. <laughs> Slant Boy? Yeah. But, yeah, they have been disappointing. Well, that was because you saw Derek Brown was chasing his ass up the, the, uh, the ramp to go in the locker room last weekend against Carolina, and yeah. he was yelling, hey, Slant Boy. <laughs> I didn't so see it was that. pretty funny. I yes, yes. That. <laughs> and that will stick now. That and will that, stick. That yes. will stick. Yep. Uh, so the Packers get the one-point win. Uh, in a back-and-forth game, the Chargers come back Holy. against the Vikings, the game where someone had to, had to not blow it. It was like one of those games. Only where the like Vikings can to... outcharger the Chargers. Okay, <laughs> leave it to them to do it. Twenty-eight, twenty-four. Chargers. P.F. Chang says to us: First damn okay of the year for Justin Effin Herbert. Seriously, you already uh, know why the man saved Staley's job for at least another week. Damn okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's t- he's referencing the. Go for it on fourth down at your own, what, 25? With yeah, own 24-yard line. Which, to be quite honest with you, like in a vacuum, I like that uh, call, We right? know you do. That's a Dan Campbell. <laughs> That's a uh, let's yeah. end the game right now. Oh. Let's not give them a chance, knowing they need to get a touchdown. So I know. Go for fourth down. I know. Uh, they have no timeouts. The game will be over. But you made a good point on football night. Thank you. If you're the Chargers. I'm not against these things. Yes. But I'm, I'm ag- I am against when it just seems like we're just like, Ah, should I go for it or not? Go for it! Yeah! Like, no, like, there's got to be rhyme and reason. And when you can't run the fucking ball all game long and then you give it to Johnny No Name up the middle in a big moment like that, of course everybody's going to get on you and go, what are you doing? 
I mean, this was a game where you go, no, okay, if you want to go for it in fourth and one, that's great. But running has not been the thing for us today. So let's let Justin Herbert get in the shotgun or throw a football to where maybe he could scramble or throw another laser perfectly to one of these receivers like he had been doing all day long. I mean, he was amazing today. To be that efficient throwing the ball that many times and, you know, a good mixture of – it's not like last year where it's dink and dunk and – sick. you know, it's, it's definitely more of a 10-yard throw, 15-yard throw. Ooh, 25-yard throw. Okay, here's a 5-yard throw. Then it's back to a 10- or 12-yard throw. So there's definitely a f- different feel with their offense. But, yeah, I didn't like that call. Yeah. You know, it, I, I, I definitely did not. So let's dive a little deeper yeah. into the numbers. Time for Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. Uh, Justin Herbert, we're going to have his passing chart here. Now, according to the next-gen stats, the Vikings blitzed Herbert on 41 of his 50 dropbacks, the second-highest blitz rate, 82% in a game in the next-gen stats era. And he goes 40 of 47 for 405 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, well, they, they... I'm sure, and the, the one thing we've seen with the Chargers, right, is they can pass protect. They're a line, you know, we've seen them run a little bit in week one. Pass protection-wise, has been pretty damn good every game. So I'm sure they felt like, and I think Davenport was a little banged up right today. So uh, they, they probably felt like they were never going to get around him, and he was just going to slowly pick apart their, you know, secondary that's not very talented, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they were going to go, okay, we're going to we're willing we're willing to take that risk here rather than him sit there all day and then just pick us apart that way. So they tried to force the issue. But when you force the issue like that, of course, yeah, it's one less guy down the field, and if you got a smart quarterback with a good old line, they figure out how to pick up the blitz and then they go, "Oh, well, this is great. There's one less guy downfield carrying, you know, covering Keenan Allen, and that's why he goes off for 215 yards and Mike Williams has 100 yards and let's not forget Keenan Allen threw a 50-yard touchdown pass to go on top of that. He had a freaking day today. So uh, specifically against the Blitz, Herbert goes 32 of 38 for 307 yards and all three of those those touchdowns, excuse me. So he was rushed. His average uh, time to throw was 2.26 seconds, his first game under 2.4 in his career. So this was very unusual for Justin Herbert okay. at this little time yeah. and still excelled to that level. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of numbers, but I'm going to tell you that was inside the numbers powered by AWS. That's, that, that's, a, that's, <clears throat> that's impressive. You know, it didn't feel like he was under pressure to that, you know, 2.4 seconds is not bad or 2.26 seconds, right? Yeah. You know, that's not the worst, but, yeah, you know, watching the game back, I just – or thinking about it in my mind, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was the quarterback under pressure while I was watching the game. I certainly felt like uh, Kirk Cousins, every time he dropped back to pass, especially in the first three quarters, it was like, holy crap, is he going to get killed every time he throws the football? Right? He still made a number of big-time plays. Their offense did good. Jefferson looked good. But, yeah, yeah it just was uh, – um, you know, really, the the Chargers just making some big plays in the biggest moments. Like, and then another big moment was hey, the, the Vikings should have had a pick, a pick, the score that made it twenty eight twenty four. I think it was Evans had a chance to pick the ball. He tips it in the air. It ends up being a touchdown. You know, those are moments and plays right now where we're just seeing the Vikings. Last year they made those plays. Last year they didn't have a fumbling problem. This year it's just. All three games, it's it's turnovers and inopportune times, and it's really hurting their football team. Yeah, where, where do they go here? Because you you see some chatter, and I don't know what where it comes from, but 
perhaps some Viking fans that are frustrated about the way last year ended and now this year starting is just like, you know, trade Kirk Cousins, just this punt this year, this year's already going down the drain early. It's, it's a division where I don't think the Lions or Packers are going to run away with it. And so I don't think if you're 0-3, you're necessarily out of it. And no. they've got a lot of talent still on that roster. Yeah. Um, where, where do they go from here, you think? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't, like, the crazy thing is offense is still explosive. The defense is better than last year. They're just not finding, you know, clutch late in the game. Right, I guess that is what I would say. And last year they didn't make mistakes that were self-inflicting that way. I, I think that's that's the big thing I look at. I mean, what Hawkinson had a fumble in a big moment at one point, right? Um, and then I'm I'm trying to think of the oh, and then of course the interception at the end of the football game. Well, those 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 were big, but yeah, I don't know where it's going to go from here. I think the the real thing that I come to is going. The Vikings weren't as good as they were last year. They're not as bad as 0-3. They're somewhere in between there. That's kind of how I look at it. But, yeah, I don't know if that's going to really make anybody feel better or make us think that, like, the Vikings are ready to make some big playoff run or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we went through this exercise before the year. We didn't think the Vikings were as talented as the Packers or the Lions roster completely. But they got Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and we go, okay, and – you know, that makes them dangerous, and it's every game they're dangerous because of those two. And I'm glad Justin Jefferson seems like he's okay. So they, should not, punt. they should not punt on the year, something the Chicago Bears maybe have already done. As we go to the taking care of business section of the podcast, the Chiefs certainly did that at home in front of Taylor Swift. She was probably impressed, right? She's like, dang, Travis, what? you do have a good football team. Damn, she was, yeah, she, of course she was impressed. She wanted to see Travis Kelsey rock the house like she rocked the house. And what did he do? He ended up catching seven seven balls for sixty nine yards. Yeah, and He's a got touchdown. a touchdown late in the game. She yep. was very happy about that. Do you think he requested that? He's like, "Hey, Pat, do me a solid here." They're like the type of team that would like literally would know that, and they'd be like, <laughs> "Let's get him one," you know, because because the Swifties are up there, and let's let's make them feel good. I mean, they are a team that's like hyper aware of stuff like that. I doubt it because yeah. they're the whole game plans around him anyway. So they're like he's going to get a touchdown or get something here. But do you think at one point Taylor was like, "Who's that number one? That Jarek McKinnon? <laughs> Ooh, he seems really he's, good. He keeps scoring touchdowns. Who's that number fifteen? I'd like to date <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> Ooh, he's got a gimpy ankle. So, okay, I'm moving I gotta on. Get, well, no, I'm not moving on. You're not moving on. I got. We got to update the game here. It's twenty three fifteen. The Raiders kicked a field goal to make it twenty three eighteen. Why? And there's a. There's well, there's still like five minutes left, and they called a what a legal formation. Neil, did they? Neil touch the hit center? the center. He oh, hit the snapper. No, you don't yeah. hit the center. He hit the snapper. That's the last thing you do. Yep. So, so three fifteen yeah. left now, and now they got the ball inside the twenty going in with a okay. chance to maybe tie and, this and whole again, party. And we'll again, keep you up to date. And again, you at home already <laughs> we'll know, know this tomorrow morning. Um, so, yeah, but we'll still keep you updated in case, for whatever reason, you don't know who won that game. Do, um, we were will, you we will, moving on to the next game? You're moving on to the Bears and the no, Chiefs? No, I don't think so. Oh, that's no, where no, we're no, going. No. Yeah, no. Bears and Chiefs, right? Yeah, we're still we in Bears and Chiefs. Yeah, this good. is what happens. Good. Now, we're getting late in the pod now, and we've got too much going on. This game being close is going to totally derail us, um, but that's okay. Uh, no, so Mahomes, I think he's okay yeah. with the ankle, right? Yeah. I think so, too. I it was, to me, that was, a, like, he, that was like the basketball role. He rolled it inwards. It'll be a little sore tomorrow, but I don't think this is going to be anything that's going to like, you know, hurt his season here. And the Bears are in the running for most depressing team in the NFL this year. Yeah, the Bears got nothing. I mean, they got nothing. One 
the defense isn't good. There's not one marquee player on their front, defense in front. You know, they got secondary. I mean, we know they got Jaquan Brisker and, you know, another young guy or two that I like. But they play a Seattle scheme, too, where, you know, a little bit like it's it's mainly zones more times than not. So, like, they don't even take advantage, I think, some of their talent in, in the secondary at times. And then offensively, uh, uh, yeah, there's big issues there. You know, I know Justin Fields has become the topic of the week here, and everybody is trying to figure out who's to blame and, you know, who, 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 who should we fire. And, you know, again, like you've heard me talk the first two weeks. It, it's, it's been less than with Justin Fields. You know, it's just it has a feel of the, they don't trust him, so they are careful with the offense they run. And then, of course, they watch the film and they go, well, yeah, how can we trust you? There's people wide open, and you don't ever look at them. You don't take care of the football. And it looks like like three out of every four times he drops back to pass, he looks like, to me, he's looking at the rush more than he ever is looking down the field. So, And then they have, yeah, fire defensive coordinator and all these other issues going on in their organization. They look like a team that went through a week of shit and hell and you know, defensive coordinator and Justin Fields – you know, saying the wrong thing by talking about the coaching, which he wasn't really that wrong. He wasn't trying to be a, a jerk. But we know once you say that, everybody jumps onto that. So, yeah, they looked like a team that had to deal with a lot of distractions. And yeah. that was the first real good performance we saw the Kansas City offense have the whole year so far. Uh, so we'll see if that gets them going. But, again, the Chiefs' defense – they're, they're the ones that are really impressive here to start the year, and we know that offense will get going here. Raiders did kick the field goal eventually here, yeah. so it's a five-point game, 2.22 to go. They have all three of their timeouts. All three so timeouts. they got a, a two-minute warning here. here still, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll keep you updated. Yep. Browns beat the Titans. Titans got nothing going offensively in this one. 27-3 was the final score. I mean, how many yards did they end up with Oh, total? It was low. I know that. I'm trying to go over to it, too, here. 27-3. He threw for 104 yards. They had 94 total yards offense. Oh, my gosh. Yes, They had 94. six first downs. Right. Two for 12 on third down. Right. We're talking 2.1 yards per play on the day by the Titans. That's almost worse than Iowa football, and that's pretty bad. Right yeah, that's, now, well, too. that's the kind of football they are playing. This is Tennessee Titans are basically playing that kind of football. It's defense. They want to control the clock. You know, they want to you know make the game speed up that way by by them controlling the clock and not letting other teams that got talented offenses or whatever you know put their offense in a bind. Cleveland. Clearly more talented on both sides of the football. And that was the best Deshaun Watson's looked as a Cleveland Brown. I was going to say. Yeah. It was the best he's looked. This is as close as he has looked to being like that Deshaun Watson from the past. I think so. Made some magical escapes. Had a few good quarterback design runs. And then to me, you know me, like, yeah, the stats are good. We know that. 27 to 33 is phenomenal. That just says you're seeing the field. You're making the right decisions all the time. But it was the quality of the throws that I liked, right? Yeah, you know me. I'm into, okay, yeah, I know he completed it. But if it was like, man, mechanics were weird and he kind of threw an ugly wobbler duck, like that doesn't always make you feel good as an ex-quarterback who's evaluating an offense, right? And today he looked, and of course we saw Monday night, he looked horrible. He was off target throwing the ball. He was uncomfortable in the pocket even when the pocket was good. 
You know, but th- that was not the case in this one, and he was pinpoint with his throws. Let alone they pushed the ball down the field to Cooper and Moore a little bit. So that was exciting to see too. And then, you know, run game. You know, it, it's going to take some time. It, it's they're not going to be what they were with Nick Chubb. So they're going to have to rely on Watson in the pass game, and then hopefully Ford and Pierre Strong can come along at the tailback position and and still give them that threat of the the run game to be really dangerous. Titans had no answer for Miles Garrett, who had I think three and a half sacks in this game. Is that oh what he ended yeah, up with? three and a half sacks. They couldn't block him. The Titans were pass interference penalties. I mean, they had it all going on today. They couldn't run the football. I mean, no point. You know, the the end of the first half, it's 3-3, right? And there are no timeouts. And you're going, okay, well, they're going to take one shot at the end zone here and then, you know, probably try to kick a field goal. Well, before he can even, like, take finish his drop, Miles Garrett sacks him. There's no timeouts, yeah. and there goes the half. And there's so, like five seconds, four, and then Vrabel's like just telling his team to get in the locker room. He's like not even trying to even pretend like there's any time to right. Well, it. yeah, yeah. He's like, get off the field. He just said, this get off the field. The hell with it. We got to get the hell out of here. And yeah, and yeah it, was, uh, it was that kind of day for them. Yeah, and, and I, I immediately I felt like I was like, why did I retract my feeble statement on Ryan Tannehill? Yeah. Although it wasn't just him. The whole team looked feeble. It, yeah, it the whole did. offense looked it feeble. Did. It, it all looked feeble, and I think the, the – the thing, again, you see with them where, okay, they look good last week against the Chargers, who we see mess things up all the time. But this Browns defense and what Schwartz has got them doing right now, I mean, they're impressive. The front four is impressive. The Denzel Ward looks great on the outside. I mean, they're, they're playing fast and aggressive. Uh, been, like, very impressive that way. They're really, like, like kind of shocked. If Cleveland can throw the ball the way they did today, Cleveland's going to be a real player in the AFC. Yeah. Because I don't think that defense is going anywhere. Brown's probably not going anywhere. The Bills, they're not going anywhere. It seems like that week one is turning into more of an aberration that uh, the way they played against the yeah. Jets. Uh, they crushed the Commanders. 37-3 to is the final score. Scarecrow Boat says to us, damn okay, Terrell Bernard. Buffalo's new middle yeah. linebacker racked yeah. up ridiculous stats against Washington. One interception, two sacks, two tackles for losses, a fumble recovery. The Bills' defense as a whole got pressure on Howell on 69% of dropbacks, collected nine total sacks, four interceptions. What a defensive performance. Man, I didn't even realize it was to that extent. That's crazy. I mean, that, that really is. Uh, that That's pretty phenomenal. Uh, the, the defense has been awesome the last two weeks. I mean, after you know that week one showing of not being able to stop Brees Hall and the running game and all that, totally shut down uh, the Raiders last week. And, okay, the run game wasn't bad for Washington today, but they couldn't just rely on it to dominate. The big thing was they harassed Sam Howell, and Sam, who's a little loose and aggressive, it finally kind of came back to bite him in the ass today with people around him and, you know, just trying to throw some balls into some tight windows. And, yeah, it kind of just snowballed out of control for, for Washington that way. Uh, I think here, here's, you know, they, the Bills get a field goal. They go up 3 nothing. The commanders come down the field and are driving, and Hal throws his first interception of the day. I believe – I don't think – I think I, I'm, I think that was the Tredavious White one in the end zone. 
I can't remember what his first interception was. I'm pretty sure it was a Tredavious White one. It was right on the edge of the end zone. Uh, you know, they hang in there for a little bit, but then the Bills had a good punt return, and that led to the throw of the day in the NFL. Did you see which one? Well, did you see his Josh Allen's throw to Gabe Davis, the 35-yard touchdown pass? I mean, he threw it from like the 45, and he threw it seven feet off the ground, all the way to the front pylon. I mean, like to where Jason Garrett and I were just like, holy! I mean, it was like a magnet. I mean, it, it really was. That was the throw of the day for me. Um, but it was from that point on, I don't think it really ever looked back. The commanders went down. They got stopped on a fourth and goal. That was an issue. And then, of course, it just became hard. Slowly but surely, the, the Bills just kept moving the ball and adding points on the scoreboard, and that kept putting the pressure on Sam Howell, mm-hmm. and he kept turning the ball over. And he's a young quarterback, and he's going to learn from this experience. Yeah, that throw for Josh Allen on that touchdown was like a Tecmo Bowl touchdown it was like the ball never really it really was it was like our 109 120 yard touchdown that we saw exactly right exactly right so Um, yeah that was uh but the 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 you know allen looked good the defense looked good cooks looks good again um james cook as far as the running back for the uh, buffalo bills so they got it rolling right now definitely got a little momentum and their d is really flying around the Raiders yep. are going to get the ball with about it's over fifteen seconds. Yep. And no timeouts. No timeouts. That's touchdown. about it. Yep. See, so they should have they should have gone for the touchdown last time. Probably, probably that they tried to chance. play the we got three timeouts. Let's stop them and then let's see if we can go on a drive there. Yeah, I know that's, he's going to get questioned for that for sure. Josh McDaniels. He already did just by me, and the game's yeah. not even well, over. Well, I yet. think that's one to fair. It's fair to question that. Yeah, you know they haven't been a high functioning machine in offense all night. Like they're down there close. Okay, take your chance. See if you score. All right, believe your defense will make the stop then, right, when they're backed up instead of this situation right here. All right, so we'll keep you updated if anything crazy happens there. They fumbled the punt return and got it back. Okay. 12 seconds left. Uh, The Lions, they bounce back. My Detroit Lions against the Atlanta Falcons, a game that I was worried about, uh, 20-6, and as a Lions fan, they won this game in the most satisfying way possible because I feel good about their offense. This was yeah. They're, they're going to score points this year. Right. I know that, right? And right. they have some injuries. And David Montgomery, I hope he comes back. But they still ran the ball well. Jameer Gibbs is going to be awesome. Um, so they're going to score. But I was like, dang it, their defense is just like it was last year. Seattle torched them last year. They did it again last week. To see them, they're better. Shut out. I mean. Atlanta's not, and maybe this is the way the teams they have to beat, right? They don't have a great passing game, and they can kind of they got some big bodies to shut yeah. down the running yeah. attack. Right. Uh, but I was still happy to see the Lions twenty to six winners over the Falcons. What'd you think? I feel like the Lions never just control games from start to end, right? Mm, right. I kind of always feel like one of the things I said during the week. I feel like the when I watch the Lions, like every game's a coin flip. It's like. Are they going to get it on these fourth downs this week, or are they not? And it's like that's going to be the difference of the game. Right. This was one where it was like never really in doubt. Yeah. Controlled the game from the get go. You know, it was kind of just a slow and steady butt whooping. Jared Goff continues to amaze me. Like, I guess I'm still in this little bit of like, oh, I think it, can Jared Goff keep this going? I think it's all going to still go back to, you know, not looking that good like it did early with Detroit or at the end with the Rams. But I got to get over that thought because every game he comes out firing and they find ways to make big plays in the pass game. We saw Jameer Gibbs get going a little bit today, right? And then your defense, yeah, 
the way they played, the way they played week one against Mahomes was admirable for sure. Yeah. Yeah, last week was a little bit of an issue. But, hey, the the Falcons, like, their own line and run game's legit. That never got going to a degree. But I think the big thing is what you kind of talked about, that this is three weeks in a row. Like, the Falcons ha- have no passing game. They have to be concerned. And then on top of that, they don't really have separation receivers. Right, that would be the other thing that scares me. Like Drake London, big guy, right? But not gonna like run away from people. Kyle Pitts, big guy, tight end guy. He they play him like receiver sometimes, but he's not gonna just run away from people. And then of course Desmond Ritter and his throwing are less than as far as an NFL starting quarterback. So that's a little bit of a problem with that. And yeah, the Falcons, they couldn't do shit and they never really got going. And it's going to be hard for them to win games consistently with the way their offenses look so far because, yeah, they're they're truly one-sided and having to totally rely on the run game to kind of pull them through. That draft class for the Lions, too, is looking really, really good because you got Jameer Gibbs, who goes yeah, for 80 yards right. in this one, Sam Laporta, who you liked coming oh, out yeah. as a pass-catching tight end. That was caught. a nice play he had for the Eight touchdown. Balls, Did you see yeah. that? The yeah. long one, 45 yards. Right. Which, they showed it on Lions Twitter after the game, and he's talking to Goff. He's like, I never thought that thing was going to come down. He was like, I was waiting like 15 seconds for it to, to finally get into my hands. Um, and Brian Branch led the team in tackles with 11. Smaller. So. So they got they got some uh, some yeah, good guys. They out got of that you got some attitude and some class. toughness on the defensive side of the ball. Aiden, but Aiden Hutchinson, he came close to. I th- I almost thought he got a safety at one point. No, he, I know he didn't get a safety, but I remember harassing Ritter down in the, their own end zone at one point. Uh, maybe that was a throwaway, but he ends up with two sacks in the game. You know, it was it was a good all around performance by your Lions. Around any corner, within every battle. And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. 
Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The Lions bounce back from losing to the Seahawks last week. The Seahawks get another win. They beat the Panthers 37-27. to Honald Blake says to us, Seahawks look much more creative on the offensive side of the ball. They are getting it done. Uh, wait, they are getting it done down their stud tackles. Oh, yeah, that's right, because yeah. their tackles have, yeah. have been hurt. But, yeah, they still ran the ball very very effectively in this game. What they end up with? Running uh, 146 yards. Walker, Walker looked good. Yeah. He had 97 of those. Right. And then Geno throws for almost 300 yards yeah. again. Yeah. No, it looked like, you know, early on, this was, it was a good football game. It was close. You know, this Panthers defense is good. So they're, they're a pain in the ass. They really are. So they hung around, you know, they blew a coverage uh, on DJ Chark, where he was wide open for a touchdown that made the game 10 mm-hmm. 9. You know, I think the next drive, Geno threw an interception, so they got down then 13 to 9, right? And then, kind of from there on out, it kind of felt like they controlled the football game. Uh, th- that, that's what it looked like to me, where I, I ended up writing down, like, you know, man, Hawks run game. Man, Hawks run game. Walker, you know, all the way down the field. They had a drive, I think, early third quarter where they just went. Charbonnet, Kenneth Walker, just walk us down the field. We're going to run the ball every play. They did that, and I think Walker might have punched it in for uh, maybe a a seven-yard touchdown run or maybe it was his one-yard touchdown run. But that was the first time we'd seen their run game get going this year. If they can do that, watch out because we know their pass game can be explosive. Uh, But, yeah, Geno looked good, and it looked like they found a lot of ways to get DK Metcalf the ball. You know, that was the thing I can continue to write as I was watching the game. Walker and Metcalf. It just seemed like every time I was looking up, they were making a big play. Andy Dalton did a good job. He made some plays in the passing game. Yeah. You know, the offense looked a little – they didn't have to worry about managing Bryce Young or not, not letting him get hit. So I think it allowed them to be a little more aggressive in the pass game, right? They're still trying to, you know, make Bryce Young comfortable. Andy Dalton, they're like, hey, you're old and we don't give a shit about you. So we'll let you sit back there and get hit a little bit. And he, you know, made some really good throws and plays. He did. He kept them in this. This game was tight for a while. Uh, and really, it wasn't until, like, what, mid, mid-fourth mid quarter where the Seahawks kind of started to pull away. Uh-oh, we got a quarterback controversy now. Andy Dalton in the number one overall pick. Yeah, um, that's, that's not, not going to happen. But they can feel good about Andy Dalton and not have to rush back their number one pick until they feel like he's totally ready, healthy, and, and feeling good. We got a final on Sunday Night Football. They're interviewing T.J. Watt right now, who had two sacks, two tackles for loss, six total pressures. He did it again. Steelers beat the Raiders 23 uh, to 18. Um, we got a couple questions. Pete, did these come before the game? Are these relevant still, these questions here? I'm just looking at them now. They came in the middle of the game here. All right, let me let me read it and see if it's relevant. Yeah, let's do it. Ethan McNew says to us, do you think this is the start of Kenny Pickett making a large bounce back after such a bad start to the first two weeks of the season? The offense has shown flashes of creativity, yeah. which is saying something for the league's most vanilla offense. Yeah, it's, it's still vanilla. The one thing I loved about what he did tonight, his movement was amazing. Right, he did a, I mean, a lot of great scrambles or just get out, not get sacked, maybe make a play outside the pocket. Right, so that was good. They, 
had some holes in the running game where they controlled the line of scrimmage a little bit there. That was encouraging. I think the big thing that I continue to go back to, right, when they, they hit Calvin Austin on the deep post, they got to be a little bit more that way. Just that it can't be always throw the ball four yards, throw the ball five yards, throw the ball four yards, and let everybody come downhill and just go, if we stop the short passing game and the running game, that's it. I mean, they don't give you a lot to think about. So, okay, if you're not going to have a ton of formations and creativity, at least attack a little bit. And I think that was the thing we saw tonight a little bit. I saw plays of going, all right, there's Pickens down the field. There's Calvin Austin down the field, right? And, and then, of course, now those short throws are open. And now, wait, that safety that was flying down so quickly to stop the running game, he's hesitating a little because he already saw some guys go by him. So he's a little scared that way. And hopefully that's something they can replicate. But, yeah, Kenny Pickett has a great natural feel for the game. He does. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did some Jimmy Garoppolo things tonight. Three you know, interceptions. That, yeah. You know, again, it's it's just it's a little too crazy and inconsistent with him at times. And he got away with, like, a bunch of other throws where you're just like, whoa, you're throwing that into those many people? Or, whoa, you're just going to get Devontae Adams fucking killed running over the middle here? Just, oh, he's an in-cut. The play's for him. I'm going to throw it to him no matter what, even though there's three guys around him. You know, so that, that was concerning. And then, of course, they still have no run game. Josh Jacobs looked a little bit better, but for an offensive line that was so physical and dominant last year, it's like they're big and lethargic right now, and they're getting no push. And... Man, it just seems like, you know, first three weeks, Josh Jacobs got people in the backfield just as yeah. much as he does, you know, when there's a hole every now and then. 3.6 yards per carry in this game for Josh Jacobs. Longest run was just 10 yards, so nothing explosive out of the run game, turning the ball over in the pass game. Uh, Team Geo asks you, yeah. at what point do we start considering McDaniels on the hot seat? Two terrible yeah. outings and no run game, one-dimensional offense, and still a subpar defense. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, the defense, okay, I can't sit here and tell you I was expecting a ton from them. You know, they, have, they have Max Crosby, the first-round pick still not, you know, Tyree Wilson's still not 100% and, and capable of being anything quite yet. But defensive tackles, the rest of the D-line, there's nobody that's going to keep offensive coordinators awake. Linebackers are solid, but not special. You know? And then, yeah, secondary's good, but not great. You know? So the, I never expected them to be the world beaters. It's the offense that we looked at that we thought was going to be good. It was the leading rusher in football last year, and Devontae Adams was the leading receiver in football last year, right? And now this year, yeah, it's Devontae Adams' show, but there's no run game to speak of. Pass protection hasn't been that great for these, these, the Jimmy Garoppolo and Raiders quarterbacks. And, yeah, they're in trouble. So I don't know if I'm ready to start hot seat type of conversation with Josh McDaniels, but the offense continues to look like that. Yeah, you're going to start to question him more and more because he's an offensive head coach. Two more games to go, and for that, we go to Gimme the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Can you do the the sound? <laughs> so we got the two New York teams. We'll start with the Patriots defeating the Jets. 15 to 10 was the final score. The headline for this game is Standing Pat. They're standing pat by getting their ass whooped by the Patriots as usual, and they're standing pat by Zach Wilson because they got no other choice. Yeah, same old, same so old. So they're standing pat because old 
Pat the Patriot came to town and whooped the shit yeah. out of the Jets for the hundredth year in yeah. a row. I don't know about whooped, but know. they definitely got know. the win again. I know. And yes. it was a five-point game, and at points it didn't feel that close. I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, what, what, did, what did you make from this? A, a game where you walk away from and you're just like, I don't know if either team feels great, but the Jets definitely feel worse. Yeah, I mean, what's to look at right now and feel good about with the Jets' offense? Got excited about a run game week one. We haven't seen that since then. Uh, pass protection's been crappy in all three games, right? There doesn't seem like there's a ton of creativity on that side of the ball. Zach Wilson, you know, I'll go back to last week and what he did on against the Cowboys with the three interceptions late in the game. That, that to me, was like one of the first times where I've got, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get how to play the game and what the NFL is all about. I So, yeah, you got me questioning everything right now with mm-hmm. the Jets, right? But also my my realistic part of my brain goes, how do we expect much from Zach Wilson? I mean, you watched the game today. I watched the game. I saw a ton of replays. Nobody's ever open. I don't give a shit who it is back there. He has no time to throw the football. So I got to give him a little bit there. But – yeah, there's just nothing to look at with the Jets' offense right now and go, hmm, they're close, or ooh, I see a silver lining. I don't know what it is. And then, of course, yeah, they got to adjust to life with Zach Wilson and how they want to play that way. Yeah. And then the, you want the, the defense has been good, but not as dominant as we'd like it to be for this situation. Certainly not last week against the Cowboys. This week it wasn't bad, but... You know, make a few mistakes, blow a coverage to where you just let a tight end run down the middle of the field for a, a wide-open touchdown. Yeah, I mean, those are things that we don't want. The, the Jets need to keep games 13-10, 16-13, try to do that and win it in the end. Um, and even with that, I don't know if they're capable right now because I don't know if their offense is capable of consistently moving the ball down in big moments in the fourth quarter. Andrew Hazard, nine eight nine. When will the Jets bench Zach Wilson? I was ride or die until today, a lot because of Chris. <laughs> but they need a quarterback that can do the bare minimum. Please Everybody help. always says that. I know. Yeah, I get that a lot. I actually had a guy at dinner on Friday night. I went to dinner with my wife, and the guy came up. And he's like, "Oh, I guess we have you to." blame for Zach Wilson and I was like damn well if that's true then they're not paying me enough I need more because I'm, I'm part Jets GM shit you got to give me that yeah. um hey listen yeah I, I I I love Zach Wilson's talent but as we know talent has to go with playing on the field too and yeah right now he's not playing well but I don't know how you expect anybody to play well with that shit storm there I mean really if we go back and we all sat down and watched we'd go Really, where, where do you want him to throw? There, there's no protection. He can't see anybody. He's got people grabbing at him and, and, and hitting his arm every time he's dropping back to throw. Uh, and, yeah, not that the the Patriots looked any better, but yeah. you know, at least the, the Patriots weren't self-inflicting. They put together some drives. They had some balance. And, of course, came up with one play to score a touchdown. And, and get in the end zone that way. Yeah, Farrell Brown, his first target of the season, goes for a 58-yard touchdown from, from Mac Jones, so they have that one big explosive play. The Seattle, they, they, they exposed the Seattle scheme, right? So what they did is the tight end and the receiver both ran five-yard out routes. It's cover three, right? So now Sauce Gardner's on the outside. He has to see anything vertical. He has to take the third. So – he saw his guy run an out route. 
He kind of jumped on it. He probably saw the inside guy going on the out route a little bit too. Mm. He took an out route and then went up. And by that time, it's too late. He made had already jumped up on the out route. And what really has to happen is the safety, cover three, he goes out to that outside out route. And then Sauce Gardner is supposed to go into his deep third and be able to try to steal that ball. And that was a game plan play that they knew what they were going to get in that situation from Sauce and company, and they took advantage of it. And you mentioned the balance, too, because Ezekiel Elliott goes for 80 yards. <laughs> yes. That's, on that's 16 carries, right. five average, so that's yeah, all you need. The, the, the Jets' D is really good, as we know. Teams are, teams are going to play the Jets right now. They'll go, hey, their offense stinks. Don't take any chances. Let's get the ball out quick. Let's run the ball. Because really the only way we're going to lose to the Jets is if the defense scores touchdowns on us right now. That's really the number one goal. And I think you saw the Cowboys and the Patriots take the same approach of just going, let's not let their defense win the game. And as long as that doesn't happen, we'll win the football game. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't pretty or sexy or anything like that, but it was a cold, you know, rainy, windy day here in the Northeast. And it wasn't conducive to offensive play. Uh, and the Patriots, you know, are pretty good in those elements. Giants were out west on Thursday, taking on the 49ers. 49ers won that one 30-12. We will give the headline for that one, talk about that one briefly. Your headline for the 49ers win over your G-men. Brock belittled, Mac be quick, Debo jumps over the candlestick. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 Booyah! That, might, that might, be my, might be my favorite one ever. I don't know that it all makes sense, but uh-huh. it's a long headline. That's true of Mac Casey saying it to you. Maybe a headline and a subheadline all in well, one. Well, it, 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 you came up with it, so let's be transparent. It was a there. team effort. Yeah, so, no, that was you. So this one, that was Brock a good one. belittled. He belittled the he Giants. He belittled my Giants. Yep. How are you? They made the him little. little Giants. Mac, be quick. Uh, McCaffrey, McCaffrey right? he was quick. He was very quick. And Debo jumped over to Candlestick Park, who they used to play there. Well, yeah, he was yeah. jumping over everything, and he was jumping <laughs> over end zone lines, the giant players, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, what'd you what'd you make of this one? The 49ers are awesome. I mean, like we were kind of saying with the. The Cowboys after two weeks, right? Like the, the 49ers after three weeks are the best team in the in the league. Uh, we'll see if that continues. But I just I think I'm amazed by the old schoolness of Shanahan, the running game, just wearing McCaffrey out. That would be my one thing. I'd go, man, just be careful. Don't run him too much, right? Let's let's keep the big picture in mind here. But I don't know Brock Purdy looked really good. The creative ways they get the ball to Debo Samuel. I really didn't think the game plan by the Giants was wrong, right? I mean, we were sitting there at 17-12 to 12 with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and you were like, how? Because it just feels like they're getting their ass whooped, and we're in a game right now. You know, let alone some of the things they were doing on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they had some opportunities. Brock Purdy could have thrown two or three interceptions in this football game. I think anybody that watched that game could go back and go, oh, yeah, you're right. There was some, definitely some dicey moments. The Giants didn't make those plays. The Giants, of course, are not as good as them. So those are the things they got to make happen if they want to try to pull off an upset like that. They didn't. And, I mean, the 49ers' defense was all over everything the Giants did. They couldn't do shit, right? No Andrew Thomas, no starting guard and Bredesen. That was an issue. No Saquon. Right? Yeah. The 49ers D was all over Daniel Jones and company. And then the other side of the ball, yeah, they just got kind of bludgeoned. And the third downs, 
I mean, the Giants just couldn't get off the field in third downs. They had a lot of third and nines and third and tens, and Shanahan would have some cool screen play or some creative play to get them first downs and extended these drives. And that was really the big story of the game. Yeah. And just nobody on the Giants' defense can kind of you know, make a play to flip the momentum a little bit. That was kind of the big issue. Uh, but, yeah, the 49ers, they can beat you either way, run game, pass game, whatever. They're, they're extremely impressive. You're right. It just looks so difficult for the Giants to do anything offensively. Uh, 29 yards rushing total and just uh, over 130 through the air. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was difficult. Just, exactly right. Dominated the line of scrimmage. People not open really downfield. You know, they couldn't get the Daniel Jones run game going at all. Um, yeah, it's it's that was an issue, and and you know the Forty ers just are so well rounded across the board. It's it's uh, it's pretty impressive. But yeah, what's funny is Shanahan, McDaniel, you know Dolphins, Forty ers they look like the two best teams in each conference right now. It'd be funny if they ended up showing off and the showing up at the Super Bowl. Right. That'd be that would be awesome. Those two teams, as talented as they are, little budding friendship rivalry right there trying to win their first Super oh, Bowls. Man. Oh my gosh, that'll get personal in a hurry. Frenemies now. Yeah, uh, seriously. Beast Neymar 1 says, Cowboys demolished the Giants who beat the Cardinals, who beat the Cowboys. The yes. NFL is back. That's right. Don't, don't <laughs> again, it ain't college football, so don't try to make sense of all this yeah. all the time. It's a matchup league. The NFL, like we always talk about, right? The worst team in football is not that much worse than the best team in football. That's how close the NFL is. And, yeah, we've seen the Cardinals. They, the Cardinals could have beat Washington in week one, certainly could have beat the Giants. And then the one game we go, well, this one, they're, they're not going to beat yeah. anybody this week. They win that one. Yeah. I mean, go figure. It, yeah. is, it is unbelievable, and that's what's great. It's the coaching, the playmaking, all of that you know, can, can – even the scales in a hurry. Except the Bears are a lot worse than everyone else. The, bear, the Bears actually probably are the worst team in football. That's for sure. I think you're, you're correct with that. And that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Before we go. You like doing that, too, didn't I you? Mean, like I mean, I, I kind of feel bad because it's like. You're piling on now? Yeah, I don't like to pile on. Yeah, and you're piling on. What a I, jerk. I don't like to, to be. And if you're a Bears fan, you listen to this podcast still, you know I'm doing this in good fun, right? Because it's like I'm jealous of some of the past success that the Bears have had. As a Detroit Lions fan, so but I, I don't mean to pile on because I do feel like Justin Fields is an interesting and fun player to root for. Uh, two more games, yeah. Monday Night Football, yeah. Uh, Eagles at Buccaneers, and we got Rams at Bengals. Uh, so the Eagles at Buccaneers this is interesting because we got three teams in the NFL after this week will be undefeated. You got the Dolphins, you got the Forty ers and the winner of Eagles at Buccaneers. Yeah, well, the of course I'm picking the Eagles to win the game. I do think the Bucks have some things about them that could pose some problems uh, the Bucks D line like we've seen in every game here they're they're pretty real right and them stopping the run I mean Todd Bowles is it's every game I feel like if Todd Bowles I mean he, he plays the Kansas City Chiefs he's like we gotta stop the run because it's like no no you gotta stop the pass it's Mahomes I mean he's old school so he's gonna be all over the run game and then they got two corners on the outside that they can trust a little bit against Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown again they're not gonna win more than they losing that one but they can tactically take chances hey let's put them on an island here and there and and try to figure out ways to do it that way to stop that run game and baker mayfield has been really damn good and they've oddly enough protected them pretty well in both games and we've seen the eagles kind of asleep at the wheel here the first few weeks and i don't think either game they've played so far has been real impressive 
You know, there was moments in that Vikings game where you're like, they're being outplayed by the Vikings. And we said that the same thing with the Patriots. So I'll be interested to see if they can kind of right the ship tomorrow night. I'm picking them to win. But, yeah, yeah I could see it being a tough one for sure. They've had a long time off, too. Played Thursday. And yeah, I know. Monday, I, we'll see. So Is that going to be a good thing or a bad oh, that's thing? That's true. You don't know. This, this early in the year, you're trying to get a rhythm and get going, and all of a sudden, damn, now we got another 11-day break here before we play. That's, that's not always the best thing for a team trying to find its mojo either. Pete notes that he is driving the Baker Mayfield bandwagon. Hop on board. Although that makes me nervous because I feel like once the Baker bandwagon gets rolling, that's when it's like, <laughs> That's okay, just when he starts throwing that's some picks. Like, How dare whoops. you? Don't Ooh. jinx him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it on the road. Uh, and then Rams at Bengals. Man, this is this is a big one. Huge. For the Bengals to get a win. And, and Joe Burrow, we don't know how healthy he is right now. I don't think we have a status of, like, is he definitely playing? We haven't heard that. I'm expecting him to play. Game time decision, Pete Oof. says. I mean. The the Rams D has been great. They're gonna know this offense and what Zach Taylor does. He came from the Rams, you know, and and really, as you've heard me say, kind of runs a simplified version of things compared to the Rams there. So I think they're gonna have their hands full in that department. Can the can the Bengals run the football? Can they do that? Let's just start there. Run the football a little bit to take a little pressure off of Joe Burrow and see if you can start getting some you know, favorable looks in the secondary to start getting Burrow, whoever plays quarterback, Chase and Higgins the ball. That'll be the big thing. And then you know the Bengals' D is good. We know that. But the Rams, as you've heard me talk about, they've been good the first two weeks. And yeah. Stafford's awesome right now. And, of course, they're just tough, too. I think this will be a close football game, so but too. I'm going to pick the Bengals to win a close one. I think I'll pick them like 23-20 or something like that. Rams are better than we thought they were going yes, to be. Yes, they are. Uh, Jordan Schultz on Twitter says, sources, yeah. Joe Burrow will go through a workout tomorrow morning that will help determine his status for the Monday night matchup against the Rams. The plan remains to take it all the way up until game time before making a final decision. Oof. All right. Well, we'll see. This is, uh, I just, it's unbelievable. He re-aggravated this, and here we are, and. I would not be shocked if we're still talking about his calf five weeks from now. All right, we've done it again. We did it again. <laughs> I'll be sick on Tuesday, and then we'll do it all over again. <laughs> we're done to, we're done uh, to one pod a week. Yeah. What, what's the matter with Chris? Uh, he's dead. He can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, no, but, called it. But it was, it, it was uh, always fun. Yes. I really, oh, and wow. actually, I feel really good. I'm not nearly as tired as I was last week. Last week when I was sitting here, I was like, I'm exhausted. So I, I, this I, week, was, I was tired for you because I feel tired, more tired than this week than I did last week. Yeah, you do. Okay, all right. Well, suck Sorry. it up, okay? We got a full week ahead of us. All right, you know where to find us. We'll be back here on Wednesday for What the Fuck Happened Wednesdays. We'll break it all down. I'll start watching film tomorrow. You know where to find me and Florio and PFT. Uh, but let's enjoy both Monday night football games. I know I will. Hope you guys do out there. Keep sending the questions, thoughts, whatever else challenge me whatever you want to do bring it you know where to find us Amen. thanks for driving the ship as always clap it up the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselkumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Tremphia.